Madcap Flare offers cutting-edge technical authoring and publishing capabilities for today's technical writers and content developers with advanced features to maximize authoring efficiency, content reuse, and multi-channel publishing. By combining Madcap Central's cloud-based collaboration, publishing, and content management functionality, authors can improve content quality, gain greater insight into tasks and production schedules, work collaboratively with teams, host content, and automate processes. Madcap Flare and Madcap Central, combining the power of desktop authoring with cloud-based collaboration, publishing, and content management. Learn more at www.madcapsoftware.com. This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cherryleaf Podcast. It's the conference season at the moment. There's been the Mad World Europe Conference, Right to the Docks and TCUK. And in this episode, we're going to look at some of the presentations that were made at TCUK. So TCUK stands for Technical Communication, United Kingdom, and it's a conference hosted by the ISTC, the Institute for Scientific and Technical Communicators. So it's the conference for the professional body and the members of that professional body in the UK. And traditionally it's had a very friendly, welcoming approach to having a conference and opportunity for new speakers to be there and also to have speakers from around the world. And the official theme for this year's conference was the pursuits of the polymath. But in reality, it seemed that there were two other themes that seemed to be pervading the conference. One was about quiet leadership, taking opportunities that arise within businesses and leading documentation opportunities, documentation projects, content projects. And the other underlying theme seemed to be one of more confidence within the profession. And that may be because some of the recent changes like Agile and the move of content to the user interface, micro-content as it's sometimes called, and the growth of more technical API-related documentation has been absorbed and technical communicators are adapting to these new trends, to these new technologies, these new approaches. So let me describe some of the presentations that I saw at the conference. The keynote presentation on the first day of the conference was Lessons Learnt on an Introvert's Journey to Leadership. And that was presented by Ben Walk, who is a technical communicator in the United States. And Ben presented a description of how technical communicators tend to be introverts. It's a profession that attracts people that have an introverted nature. And he talked about the differences between extroverts and introverts. And one particular factor that extroverts tend to draw power from personal interactions, they gain energy from it. But introverts tend to be the opposite, that they will meet people, but afterwards they will feel drained, they'll feel tired by that. And as a result of that, what that can lead to is often leadership roles tending to go within Western cultures to extroverts rather than introverts. And so Ben talked about how introverts can overcome their reluctance to be in the spotlight and to use the passion they often have for a subject to lead projects and to lead organisations. And he also described how often the passion that 
introverts have for a topic, for a theme, often sees them engaging, starting to become leaders outside of work, and that they can use those skills that they learn and build on projects outside of work and apply them to the leadership roles or opportunities that there may be within their company. There can be a lot of misconceptions about what an introvert is, that they spend their time looking at their shoes, they hate to engage with people. That's not really the case. Introverts often are self-starters. They don't need to rely on somebody else to get them going. They just get on and do something. And the speakers, often they're very good. If they're talking about a thing, a subject, rather than themselves, they can be some of the best speakers at conferences that you'll see. Extroverts sometimes find public speaking quite difficult if there's a gap, a distance between them and the audience. So it was interesting to see how Ben has had his career and taken opportunities in leadership roles whilst being an introvert. This theme of quiet leadership also came through in another presentation on the first day, and that was by David McCormick, who is a technical author at ARM, and his presentation was on technical mentoring. ARM, the chip designer, has a large team of technical writers at the company. If you think about ARM in many ways, their business is about explaining and documenting the designs of the chips that they've created, that they license to companies that manufacture those chips that go into our mobile phones and computers. And they take on technical authors from a variety of backgrounds, some from an engineering background who are technically strong, some from a programming background, and some people from a non-technical humanities background who have experience and skills in writing. And so ARM needs to give those writers the skills that they need to create the content that the engineers need for using the designs of the ARM chips. And ARM works on the basis that the more somebody understands about the technical aspects and the technical semantics of a subject that they're writing about, the easier they find it is to write about that content in a good, high-quality way. So one of the challenges that ARM has is to improve people's knowledge of the subject matter. And so he described how ARM tackles that problem. So the approach that ARM takes is that they offer different learning approaches so that people can learn the content in a way that best suits them. So one of the things that they offer is the option of doing self-study by repurposing some of the more technical information that's provided to the engineers, repurposing that so it can be used to understand the basics fundamentals. They also offer short learning sessions And they also offer one-to-one coaching and one-to-one mentoring. Now, one of the issues they had within ARM was whether they should offer a syllabus or whether they should provide the options of the different topics available and let the learners decide which topics they wanted to cover. And he talked about the pros and cons of the different approaches. Downside of a syllabus is that you might be asking people to cover content that's not relevant to them for the content that they're writing or that they know already. And if you give people the opportunity to direct their own learning, they might not know which topics they need to know about. So the way that ARM have approached this is that they've developed self-study learning material 
with optional exercises. So for those that are not familiar with the subject matter, they can do the exercises to reinforce their learning. If somebody's familiar with it, they can skip doing those exercises or they can just do the exercises and not read the learning materials. And they also offer the opportunity for authors to have regular one-to-one mentoring sessions. And to reinforce this, what ARM has developed are knowledge matrices and skills matrices for each subject or product that they offer. And the mentors use these matrices to identify the topics that the subjects, the students, I should say, need to cover so that they will guide the students, guide the new technical authors and say, you need to be aware or understand this topic or that topic. Here's the learning material that's available. Here's the exercises available. And if you've got any questions or once you've done that, come back and at our next mentoring or our next coaching session, we'll go through this material and we'll address some aspects on a one-to-one basis. So this involves finding, identifying people who can act as coaches and mentors to the technical authors. And so part of his presentation was about what makes a good coach or mentor. And he said within ARM what they've discovered is that successful mentors are those that have good working knowledge, experience of doing the job, who have patience and have good interpersonal skills that they can encourage the new writers in their process of building up their skills and experience. So ARM, the coaches and mentors, are a mix of engineers and senior writers. The other presentation I really enjoyed on the first day was by Iran or Yuri Kolba, which was called Polymathing Office 365. In fact, what it was was an overview on how people can use Office 365 and how the cloud tools that come with Office 365 can improve a documentation team's productivity. Now, the problem has been with Microsoft. There is often two tools to do the same thing, and you're often left puzzling or scratching your head trying to work out which is the best tool for your situation. So Microsoft has Skype. It has Skype for Business. The Skype for Business desktop application is called Link. And it also has video conferencing within Teams. And what Aram was suggesting was that over time, this might all morph into just one package which will be the one within Microsoft Teams. Equally you have Microsoft OneDrive and a personal version and a work version of that for storing files. You also have SharePoint for storing files. And again if you download the desktop version of OneDrive it used to say SkyDrive because it was a package that I think had been bought in and had been rebranded and repackaged by Microsoft. And if you want to collaborate and work and discuss projects. You have Microsoft SharePoint and you have Microsoft Teams. So there's been this problem of duplication or overlap of different products, which has meant that sometimes they're not used because people aren't clear what they can do or why they shouldn't use one instead of the other. So Aaron's presentation was about some of the less frequently used capabilities within Office 365. And he went through SharePoint Online, OneNote, Teams, Forms, Delve, Sway and Flow, which are products that you get if you're a subscriber to, or if your company's a subscriber to Office 365. 
often technical communicators need to share files with colleagues or even people outside of their organisation. They've written some content and they want it reviewed, for example. Erin talked about how you can use OneDrive to share files. And he talked about the pros and cons between OneDrive and SharePoint. And generally, what he was suggesting is that OneDrive is better for personal files or projects that you're working on individually. And that OneDrive has certain features which make it a lot easier to share content an individual file or folder with somebody than compared to trying to do that with SharePoint. He also talked about Delve which is a product that can search through an organization's content and provide a portal to different bits of information that might be on OneDrive, might be Word documents or might be SharePoint hosted content. What Delve does is it searches through with the intention of surfacing information that's relevant to you. So it helps you discover, for example, who might be working on a similar project to yourself that you just didn't know about. He also talked about Microsoft Flow and how you can automate tasks, trigger actions so that information can move from one application to another or information can be copied from one place to the other. And he also mentioned a tool that I'd not heard of before, which is free and available to Microsoft Office 365 subscribers, but isn't actually bundled with Microsoft Office 365. And that's Microsoft Stream. And Stream is Microsoft's video hosting platform. So what you can do with Stream is you can upload videos to its service, and then you can share those videos within your organization. So that can be useful where you've got content that you'd like to put onto a platform like YouTube, but you don't really want other people to see it outside of your organization. What's also interested within Stream is that it will create audio transcriptions and can also use face detection to help you find relevant content more easily. And particularly if you have, for example, a subject matter expert who's telling you about something in practice, you could record a video of them telling you or demonstrating an application, upload the video to Stream, let Stream do the transcription, and it could be that a lot of the content that's been transcribed, you can use and edit to write your end-user documentation. That might save you some time. You can, within Stream, even search for specific words or people shown on the screen. And the other application, in addition to Teams and OneDrive, Forms, Stealth, Sway and Flow, that he talked about that was relevant, that was interesting, was OneNote. And the capability of OneNote to capture information, to use it as a tool for gathering information, enabling people to input information, to comment on information that you've collected, and also the way in which the application that you can get for your mobile phone, where you can take shots using your camera, capture them to OneNote, and what OneNote will do is if a image captured from a whiteboard or from a slide is slightly tilted, it will manipulate the image to straighten it up. And also OneNote can take the text from a photograph and use optical character recognition within it 
to convert that to searchable text. And again, text that you could copy and perhaps paste into a project. So lots of interesting ideas and useful demonstrations of what's possible with the Microsoft Office 365 products. One of the features of TC UK is a gala dinner at the end of the first day. And at the gala dinner, there are awards. There's a competition that the ISTC runs for the best help file or best user guide. Companies can apply, submit their applications. There's a team that look at the different submissions and then pick winners for different categories. So there were presentations for the award winners and descriptions of what it is that they created. In fact, in the area where the vendors were, you could on the second day, have a look at the examples of the content that they created that had won. And this year, there was also the official launch of a book, The Presentation of Technical Information. And this is a book that was originally written in 1948 or 1949 by Professor Reginald Cap. He was the founder of the PTI group, which became, over time, the Institute of Scientific and Technical Communicators. So this is one of the first books on technical communication. And what the ISTC has done is it has reprinted that book and added to the original chapters from the original book from the 1940s commentaries from today on how things have changed, if they've changed at all, between that time in the late 1940s to the present day. And the book's actually quite reasonable. It's about £12 if you're not a member of the ISTC. And if you are a member of the ISTC, you can get a 25% discount. On the second day, I was one of the speakers. I talked about structured content. You can hear a recording of my earlier presentation at another event on structured content, which is episode 29. Over time, presentations change, and so there were some new features in my presentation compared to the one that you'll hear on episode 29. One of the things that I talked about in this time in a little bit more detail was some of the ideas from Mark Baker about SPFE, which is the idea that you would get authors to create content into forms based around certain metadata criteria, and then when a page is presented, if somebody goes to a web page to get information on a product, what happens is there's a query search on that content and it serves up, it builds the page on the fly, matching the criteria of the search that somebody has asked for or the type of user that they are or the type of product that they're using. So you can create much more personalized, specialized information. So we talked about how that could be applied and implemented using a documentation API or also a headless CMS, a headless content management system. And I talked a little bit about that in episode 25 and there's an interview with Mark Baker in episode 27 of this podcast that may interest you if you want to get a little bit more information on Mark's ideas. Mark has just also had a book published by XML Press called Structured Writing, Rhetoric and Process, which goes into detail of his ideas of what you can do with structured writing and how it can be done in this way of of querying and presenting information. There was a lot of interest, particularly in the question and answer session at the end of my presentation, about 
headless CMS. People wanted to see an example of it, so I showed one CMS that works in that way, how you can structure and define the content using certain information types that you might want within your content. And from that, that will create an authoring environment, a browser-based authoring environment, where there are key fields that people can fill in. And we looked at one headless CMS, which stores the information as text information in a JSON file. And then when it comes to publish, publishes that information as JSON files as well. So it means that the information is stored in a way that means it's independent of different tools, authoring tools, and also means that it can be presented fast. So headless CMS was something that was quite new to a lot of people. And one of the questions was, what's this headless bit? So we also looked at how the fact that it enables you to define your information structure and create your information structure, but it only generates, as it were, raw data. It doesn't generate the web pages that a user might see. And so we talked about how a headless CMS is then connected to a mechanism that can then generate the web pages, the images, the navigation, the menus, the bars, the buttons. And that effectively what happens on a page is there's, in the example that we were talking about, a bit of JavaScript that makes a query to the API that's part of this headless CMS and says, can I have information on this particular product, this particular version, this particular operating system? And what's then served to the page is that relevant information. Yes, there was a lot of interest in that. If you want to know more, have a listen to our episodes 29, 25 and 7. And you might be interested in getting Mark's book, Structured Writing, Rhetoric and Process. Another presentation on the second day was by Sarah Thompson, who talked about Gov.uk and the work that the Government Digital Service has done and creating user-centred content in an agile environment. And so she talked about how the multidisciplinary teams that were created by GDS for creating the different platforms and services offered on the Gov.uk website, how the agile environment helped the content design team focus on the language of users. She compared and contrasted the different ways in which a project might run if it were done in a waterfall traditional project-based approach and if it were done in an agile way and showed how the agile approach can help designers focus on the user need. She talked about how you could develop from a skateboard to a car or to a bicycle and test things with users. Because Agile has more frequent testing stages, that that can help you more quickly identify what the user actually needs and what isn't really what they want. She also said and talked about how planning in an Agile environment could be a storyboard to test the hypothesis that a solution might meet the user's needs, that you just use paper prototypes to show to a user to say, is this really what you want? Would this work for you? And by doing that, from a writing perspective, what that meant was that the writers could start by just writing the minimum amount of content needed and testing if that was appropriate to the user need. If it wasn't, that they could add more detail after that. But they could use the agile approach to avoid writing content that's not needed, writing too much content. So it was a nice overview of what's been going on within the GDS team and at gov.uk and a nice 
straightforward overview of the benefits of working in an agile world. And there's one more presentation I'd like to talk about, which happened on the second day, and that was by Jennifer O'Neill. And she talked about working with third-party content. So she works for a company that provides hardware, and they've extended their range of hardware products by working with OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, principally ones that are based in China. And so what's happening with that, if the company is reselling or integrating products from these Chinese companies, what are the implications with the content that's created? And so she was looking at how it can affect content quality, legal issues, localization, and the tools and terminology management approaches that you can take. So she talked about some of the challenges, and and one was unfortunately, poor language quality, that there was often the footprint of Google Translate, that content had originally been written in Chinese and then translated into English from Google Translate. And as a consequence of that, some of the, or a lot of the English sentences were structured in a way that was not the way in which an English native writer would write them, that the Sentences had tended to be written in a way that was influenced by Chinese grammar, and then it had been translated into English using Google Translate. Now, one of the challenges was to see if that quality could be improved. And one of the challenges she said that she faced was that the approach of these OEMs is to keep costs as low as possible, to compete in a way primarily on cost, and items that are not seen as fundamental to the product are not done or are done at as low a cost as possible. And documentation and branding and marketing also fall into that category of items where costs are kept by them as low as possible. Jennifer outlined some recommended approaches to dealing with some of the challenges that you might face in this environment that she's faced. So one was to be in charge of your own content. So don't just send out the the information, the documentation provided by the OEM without you having done some editorial um, improvements to the content. So be in charge of your own content so you can fix any errors that might have arisen. Another thing that she recommended was that you set up standards for managing your terminology so that you can ensure consistency in the words that are used by different OEMs or within the content that's created by OEMs. So Jennifer's spent a lot of time creating a large terminology database of the words that are used within the documentation. What she does is she extracts from that the 200 or so words that a OEM would be using for their particular product. As this is part of the intellectual property of her company, she doesn't give them the complete glossary, just the words that they'll need for that particular product. She also said that you should track where the errors come from so that you can 
aim to eliminate them at source. You can go back to the OEM and explain what the, the problem's there and ask them to fix it. It may be that they are using a particular word that's incorrect and that you can get it fixed within the original Chinese so it's translated correctly into the appropriate word within English or that they do a filter after it being translated into English to replace those particular words. Now that management of terminology that I mentioned, she said that can actually take up between 5 to 10% of your working time, keeping that consistency, tracking all the words that will be used across the documentation set. And she also recommended that you find a common ground for a way to work on projects with the OEM. And that can involve finding common documentation processes and to write those processes down and that that can be particularly useful if within the OEM there's a lot of staff turnover and you find that people you've been working with have gone and you have a new set of people that you need to work with. By having those processes, procedures and standards documented, it can be easier for those new people to understand what's required to pick up and carry on with the quality that you need. And another factor with this that she said is that you need to be patient. You need to understand the way in which the OEMs work and come up with systems that are successful, that you you just have to find a way that you can engage and relate to them in a successful way. TCUK is an enjoyable conference. It's very friendly, very sociable. There are 40-minute presentations and 20-minute breaks. And that 40-20 split means that you get time enough for a decent presentation without it being too short or too long. I think 40 minutes is a really nice period of time. And then opportunities to actually talk to people. You've got enough time to find the tea machine, have a drink, pop to the loo, do that type of thing, and just talk and engage, have a wander around, chat to the vendors in the exhibition area. Makes it quite relaxed, that gap between the different sessions. So that's it for this episode. A quick run through of the different elements and trends that are coming through from the TCUK conference. And I think that's about it. So thank you for listening. If you want more information on Cherry Leaf, you can go to our website and see about our documentation services, our training services, and our recruitment services, cherryleaf.com. You can go back over some of the previous episodes that we'll talk about in some detail some of the topics we've mentioned in this episode. If you'd like to like or rate this podcast on iTunes, then that will help other people discover this podcast. Apart from that, thank you for listening. And oh, if you want to contact us, let us know about anything that you think or topics that you think that we should cover in the future. You can contact us using the email info at cherryleaf.com. I think that's it. Yes. Thank you for listening.